EMSradio.com. EMS information for the next generation. The EMS Garage is a production of EMSradio.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just search EMS Garage. You can find us on Twitter at EMS Garage. Email us, emsgarage at gmail.com. Or call us, 303-720-6001. The EMS Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the EMS Garage, and we hope that you are... So, well, at least we're hoping that you're ready for some football tonight because I'm joined by some really good guests tonight that are going to be talking about the a lot of the preparations that it takes to put on a Super Bowl and what it looks like from the EMS and medical side. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Anyway, I'm Chris Montero, the Geeky Medic, and we hope that you are listening to us because you love the EMS Garage. And we're going to be broadcasting this right before the Super Bowl, and we're pretty excited about that. So tonight, I'm joined by Mr. Andy Rozak. How are you, sir? Esquire. Okay, he's not there. I don't know. <laughs> All right. I'm also I'm also joined by Mr. Chad Priest, Esquire. Hi. How are, how are you? Too many Esquires. There's a rule about having more than one lawyer on a podcast. <laughs> I agree. And you know what? The, the sad thing is I've had actually Andy and Steve Worth on the same podcast and it got all weird and I don't know, people complained. Anyway, Chad, Chad, first time on the podcast, tell us who you are, where you're from and what you do, what your background is. Yeah, thanks. Uh, well, I'm uh, the uh, chief executive officer at Mesh here in Indianapolis. I'm a, I'm a lawyer by training. I'm also a nurse. I'm a clinical nurse specialist in public health. And uh, I've got a long, circuitous background that uh, qualifies me for for no job other than the one I hold. So if it doesn't work out. I'm in I'm in huge trouble. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a, I'm, a, I'm an Air Force vet, uh, where I did uh, uh, primarily uh, emergency preparedness type work, and and then my nursing work was in family practice. And um, that's it. So we're here in Indianapolis, and that's where the company's located. And uh, spent uh, a lot time and, and a lot of years in Washington, D.C., where I lived and worked, and now I call Indianapolis home, and uh, and that's where we're broadcasting from here. Cool. So I have a couple questions for you first. Um, yeah. One, what is MESH? Well, MESH is a public-private partnership that enables healthcare providers to respond to emergency events and remain financially viable through recovery. We, we do that through four major programs, clinical education and training, we do a lot of community-based participatory research planning. Uh, we do a lot of legal and regulatory work. And uh, finally, we have a healthcare intelligence division that also operates the county's medical multi-agency coordinating center. So through those four things, uh, we essentially serve as a liaison between 
the private healthcare sector, not just hospitals, but, but anybody in healthcare and the government. And, uh, and so we sort of, in, in many cases, find ourselves translating uh, for clinical providers and those in the homeland security and public health fields. Right on. And I heard a rumor that perhaps you spent some time on Air Force One. Can you elaborate or can we just say that? I, yeah, I mean, you're, I think it sounds great when you say that, but uh, I was stationed at Andrews Air Force Base I, I, in support of, of the, the base's only airplane, uh, which is Air Force One. But uh, I'm, I, I didn't have any of the neat, cool jobs that anybody else did. Like, I didn't fly. I, I never took off in Air Force One. You know, you've got to be uh, you've got to be basically famous uh, uh, to do this. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, we, we'll limit it to say, I mean, feel free to embellish, I guess it's a podcast. So right, the better absolutely. you can make me look, you know, of course I'll take it. But, uh, but I, I was a mere humble nurse in, in service to the country. Chad, we're going to make you famous here. So that's our, that's our job. Our job is to make you famous. Uh, well, thank you for coming on. And, uh, I, I have a billion more questions for you already, but I should ask why you're hanging out with Andy Rozak. I mean, that's well, really the, that's really the bigger question. It is. I I asked myself that actually too. Um, we were fortunate to uh, scoop Andy away from Washington D.C. and he's the newest member of our team. We've got a really dynamic crew of. Uh, we're like an island of misfit toys at Mesh. Uh, we we collect people that are essentially slashers. We look for people who have had multiple careers, multiple modes and ways of knowing and thinking about the world. They're very hard to find and. Uh, we did a national search for a senior preparedness advisor, and uh, we met Andy, and, and, and we liked him a lot. And we said, hey, why don't you leave one of the greatest cities in America, uh, come all the way out to the Midwest and hang out with us and innovate with us in this laboratory we call Mesh, and let's see where it goes. And I and, and for whatever reason, he agreed to do it, and, and, and we're glad he did. We didn't tell him that uh, it'd be right before the Super Bowl, and, and he wouldn't sleep for uh, three or four weeks. Um, so he might be kicking himself now, but we're glad he's here. Uh, well, I, you know, I got to tell you that I, I, I actually like Andy as a person, as a lawyer. Eh, I could, I could give or take, but Andy's <laughs> a really nice. No, I'm teasing. Um, Andy's a great guy, and I'm glad you found him. Andy, have you found your way back onto the podcast yet? Hey, yes. Yay! I'm- there you are. So, uh, and- words. Thank you. So, Andy, tell us about your new role. I mean, Chad kind of touched on it a little bit, but. Um, last time you were on our podcast, I think we were at EMS Expo or today, I don't remember which, and we were talking about the federal lead agency and blah, 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 blah. But since then, you've had a career change. Tell us about that. Yeah. And I, you know, Chad kind of summed it up nicely. I had a great opportunity to uh, come back home to the Midwest and work with one of the most innovative, uh, unique relationship uh, partnerships that are out there in the country working on preparedness issues. And uh, it's been a blast. I'm actually working overnights now in support of the Super Bowl. Today's the first uh, overnight shift. Um, so it's a little bit daunting, but I think, what is this, Chad, like week three or something? Or maybe week four? <laughs> I've stopped counting. I don't know. I feel like you've been here a year. <laughs> well, we've done a lot of work in those three or four weeks, and uh, it's certainly an exciting time here in the Circle City. I'm still trying to figure out which is the real nap town, if it's uh, Indianapolis, as they claim here, or Annapolis back home in Maryland. But, uh, no, it's really exciting. And Chad's a great guy. Everybody at Mesh is, is doing some really great things. We've got great relationships with uh, the local and the, the regional folks and the state folks, uh, including a, a great relationship with the newly formed uh, Indianapolis EMS service here. So it's very exciting. I'm very happy to be a part of uh, of all the stuff that's going on here. 
Right on. Well, you know, we we actually talked with you and your medical director there in um, Indianapolis recently, and I was pretty excited about that. So I can't wait to further those relationships because I think that you have a unique insight into what we're doing in EMS all across the globe. So um, I, I really appreciate that. So tell me why your nights have been so sleepless. What are you What are you doing? I mean, come on, preparing for the Super Bowl. It's like it's basically any other football game, really. I mean, seriously, it's just like a few more people. Well, you know, the nice thing about Indianapolis, they have this speedway out here, and they get some race cars in every once in a while. Oh, right, the Indy 500, <laughs> yes, exactly. Right, so the town's actually pretty well uh, pretty well in tune and pretty well prepared for most things. Um, I think what makes this Super Bowl very unique is that the venue is downtown, so it's literally, you know, 10 or 13 blocks in a very compact area, and, you know, the weather... And where the teams are from, of course, you know, are going to influence how many people show up. But I mean, there's estimates up to, you know, 350,000 people showing up for, uh, for the Super Bowl on the high end of things. So that's a lot of people in a very compact area. And especially, you know, the daytime population downtown Indy, uh, is already pretty high with all the office buildings and, and folks just going about their normal business. Um, so one of the great things that, and I'll let Chad talk more about this, but uh, this is the first time ever that we've got, what they call a super care clinic that we're setting up. And, uh, Chad, I'd, I'd love for you to expand a little bit more about that and tell the, tell the folks what we're doing here. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I, if, if, if in, the buzz in, in healthcare emergency management is all about management of medical surge. And, and, you know, typically we manage surge in a reactive sort of way. And, and as, as Andy said, the the environment here in Indianapolis is a little unique for Super Bowl cities, major Super Bowl cities, Houston, Miami, uh, to some extent New Orleans. Uh, I think Miami's hosted it like five billion times. Um, they're spread out. You know, there's a lot of distance between venue sites and hotels. Not the case, as Andy just said here in here in Indy. Um, add that, add to that. We're at the height of, of influenza-like illness season, um, and. You got a bunch of people coming in from out of town, and when you, you visit a strange place, uh, you don't know where to go for healthcare. The first thing you do is go to the emergency department, and that's the last place we want visitors, fans, and other people to go. Uh, we we so we so, so so the problem is is that we don't have a lot of primary care downtown. After about four thirty p.m., we have some physician offices; they close up, and so our upstream management of medical surge. If and again, I, I love to challenge people in the preparedness business. If the if the if the outcome is to reduce the surge in the ED, then we need to ask ourselves who's going to EDs and where else can they go if they don't go to EDs. And um, we said, you know what, there's not enough primary care. We're going to build it. And so we got into the uh, primary care clinic business, and uh, we've built a, a full-service urgent care center uh, right in the smack dab in the middle of downtown. We got our we got our five closest hospital friends in the city of Indianapolis to agree to come staff it. Um, to, to take huge losses in terms of revenue to bring physicians and nurses down. And uh, they agreed. And um, the benefit, we hope, is that folks will use it instead of calling 911 um, and instead of going to the emergency department. But in case they still call 911, we've worked closely with our partners at Indianapolis CMS to have those uh, uh, medical transport vehicles take patients to the clinic. Um, if they meet certain criteria and those criteria are very strict. Uh, and so essentially if you could, if you could stand to wait in a waiting room, um, you can be brought to the, uh, super care clinic 
and have your needs met. And so, so oh, wait, wait, wait. Are you doing that now, or are you doing it just for the Super Bowl? I, I guess I'm confused. We're doing it just for the Super Bowl, so it's oh. never been done in Indianapolis oh. before. So, It'll any any thought on on exp- so this is an experiment? So you're saying that okay, we're gonna we're gonna take this fine set of people and see what we can do with it. How are you analyzing the data, and how are you going to know that it's successful or not? Well, we've been, you know, that's a great question. We've been tracking, well, the first question that everybody always asks us, and, and you haven't, and so you're the first interview discussion we've done where this hasn't come up, and for that I'm grateful, so I'm going to ask it, is how many people do you expect, you know, at the clinic? And we've been we've been analyzing, uh, and let me let me say a little more about the MS side because, because that's going to interest you, I, I think, and your listeners. The, um, and, and I should caveat this by saying I, I, I don't work for Indianapolis CMS, so I'm, I'm sort of coming at this from an administrative angle, and, and, and so if I mess something up, I reserve the right to, 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 to change everything I've said. But You reserve the yeah. right to be flogged by a wet noodle. Yes, okay. absolutely. <laughs> a wet pan noodle. Point of clarification. So it's, it's not really just for the Super Bowl game. It's actually for the about the 10 days leading up to the Super Bowl. Right. This whole experience and there's the downtown's all streets are all closed. There's, you know, 60 plus artists coming to town, giving out free concerts and uh, parties popping up everywhere. So it, it's really the whole event, which is basically 10 or 11 days that we're doing this. Yeah. This is definitely not a football game event. That's a great point. This, this is a, this is a 10, 10, 11 day experience. And so during those 10 days, a section of downtown has been established as the public safety area and, and, all 911 calls in that area are diverted uh, to a public safety answering point um, in that area, and, and they'll dispatch EMS resources out. And if you call 911 or if someone else calls 911 on your behalf in that area and paramedics show up, and if you meet criteria, uh, you will be taken to the clinic instead of the emergency department if you choose. Now, patients, of course, can always choose to go to an emergency department. That's always their option. And uh, essentially, as I said, the shorthand or the criteria is can you sit in a waiting room chair at an urgent care center. If the answer is yes and, and you want to go, uh, you'll go straight to the urgent care center. So, yeah, we're testing this out to some degree. In terms of numbers, we, we had the Big Ten championship football game here in Indianapolis uh, earlier in the fall. We, we, we analyzed some numbers there, looked at some run data. We've been analyzing run data in the in the geographic region during uh, which this will they'll operate. We've been analyzing that for about five, six months. So we have a fairly decent expectation. Of course, we've never hosted a Super Bowl, and as I said before, there aren't a lot of Super Bowls that match our geographic footprint. So while we do have some data, I, I think it's fair to say it's it's anybody's guess at what it'll look like. So, Chad, you have to know that I'm not the typical interviewer from the press. I honestly don't care about how many people you're going to see. I care about how you're going to do it because, I, <laughs> you know, I mean, the press cares because they're like, oh, you know, it's all about patient numbers. But for me, I want to see, you know, I want to... I think this is a cool experiment because I think what you guys are doing may impact care there for years to come. And have you had any, in, have you had any talks with like, um, the hospital systems and the EMS systems? Like if this works, are we going to champion this for the future? Well, you know, I think everybody is aware that, that we've got a crisis in, in our emergency departments in the United States. And, and I think people have various views of what that crisis is. I think some cynical emergency department personnel are quick to say, oh, we've got too many of the, too many of the wrong kind of people, uh, are uh, using EDs for the wrong kind of reasons. I, I tend to view it differently. I think we keep establishing 
places of care that don't meet the needs of the people who need it. And so EMS presents an extraordinary opportunity to not only pick people up and take them to the hospital, but really route patients to the right venue. And yes, you're absolutely right. If we can demonstrate uh, during a big event when, when there's a lot of added stress to the system that, you know, you can get great care and that it's perfectly reasonable and rational to, to be taken to the appropriate venue of care, uh, then yes, we'd love to keep doing it. As you know, there's, there's a lot of barriers to that, including reimbursement barriers. But uh, I think you're right. I think if we can make this, this work here over the next 12, 12 days or so, we certainly have a shot at, at, at looking at long-term systemic change. So, Andy, coming from D.C., where you guys deal with, you know, presidents and international figures, how what is, what's different about this from where, you, or at least from your perspective of of a big D.C. event to today? I mean, where do you where do you feel that fits? Well, I think there's a number of things. We've been very fortunate here in Indy. The the Super Bowl host committee has been. Uh, I mean, I can't even explain to you how supportive they've been in these efforts. Um, it, you know, and helping us to establish the clinic and promoting the clinic. We've, we're on the official app. We're on the official map. We're on the visitor's guide. We're all over the website. They're tweeting about us nonstop. So, you know, I, I think the NFL is looking at this, obviously, than, you know, an event like the State of the Union that happened last night. It's a lot different characteristics. There's a ton of VIP people that are coming in, um, you know, people paying two to $3,000 a ticket. And really, you know, the NFL's goal is to make people have a great time. Um, so there's a lot of considerations that, you know, kind of come into play here from a hospitality standpoint. And, uh, you know, we've kind of been joking around about the Disney model and everybody should be smiles and, and greeting and all that. But, but quite honestly, Chris, that really goes into a lot of it. This is all about the fan experience. Um, the Super Bowl's never been hosted here in Indianapolis. Uh, it's certainly something that everyone here would love to see come back. Um, so there's a lot of time and a lot of effort being spent to, to figure out what the best way is and make sure the fans have the, the best experience they can. And that's something, obviously, that you, you don't see in D.C. Well, you know that, um, obviously, I live in a resort area, and it is all smiles. It's, it's about, it is about that customer experience because you want them to come back. But you're really courting to not only the customer but the people that – make the decisions for the customer. So I I guess that's intriguing to me that you guys have taken an idea about healthcare and how people um, integrate into it. And you're saying, gee, we need to make that different and we need to make it better and we need to do some better things. So what have been your biggest challenges so far as, um, at least from a planning standpoint, there's always an unknown, but what's the biggest challenge you guys have that you've had and maybe you've overcome or maybe you haven't? Well, you know, I think we also reserve the right to tell you when we're done because we're probably going <laughs> to screw up a few things. Uh, but, but, but I think what I would say is our biggest challenges is that, um, and, and we have overcome it in some ways, as I said earlier, we, we, our organization hires people that have a lot of different kinds of skills. And, and that's been the only reason we've been able to do this. Um, I don't know many disaster preparedness type organizations that would be able to successfully bring a coalition of competitive healthcare organizations together, convince them all to lose money, and then actually set up a primary care clinic. And, um, like I said, we, we're not, we don't have a, we're, our heads aren't so big that, that we think we're beyond failure. In fact, I'm actually hoping we fail in a couple of key areas, primarily, uh, dealing with the administration of the clinic itself so that we can, we can really improve upon them. I mean, but, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is that 
this is emergency preparedness and this is how you manage emergencies. And that proactive upstream approach is not only uh, unusual, it's, it's, it's almost discouraged uh, the way we fund emergency management activities in this country, et cetera. We're not brain surgeons here. I mean, I, and, and to be honest, I, I, I want to tell you the genesis of our idea because I think it bears, it bears some mention. Um, my college roommate and uh, now chief of EMS in Denver, Scott Bookman, came out to Indianapolis to talk a little bit about the madness that was the Democratic National Convention in Denver. What was that, 2008? Uh, yeah, 2008, yeah. And they had uh, they had all sorts of challenges and, and opportunities associated with uh, concierge care, getting keeping VIPs happy, satisfied, and out of hospitals. I think the only thing worse than a visitor with a minor ailment in an ED is like Madonna in your ED. Um, I don't think Madonna was at the Democratic National Convention. She may have been, but but she is going to be here in Indianapolis and. Um, we, we were really attracted to that idea. We really liked it. We, we knew we weren't going to do concierge care, but we really liked the idea that you could think about using widgets in different ways. And so we have the paramedic widget or the MT widget or, or nurse or doctor widgets. And instead of having them all stand by at really expensive places, uh, to receive care, um, could we forward deploy them in a meaningful and customer friendly way? And so we really took that concept and said, you know what? Let's just build a let's just build an, an urgent care clinic, and so we, we we definitely are learning from other folks. We, we we don't think we're brain surgeons on this, but for an emergency preparedness organization to do it, it's a little out of a it's a little out of the realm of the way most people think about managing surge. Well, and it seems out of the box because you're already, I guess, from the surge ca- capacity standpoint, and I've had to deal with some of this in my career that you're actually pre-planning the surge. You're not. You're not going, you're not reacting to it. You're saying that we're going to, we're going to make a concerted effort to handle it before it actually happens. Um, and I applaud you for that because I think that that's, um, it's often overlooked in what we do. And, um, I, I really applaud you guys for that. Andy, what's your, what's your biggest take home message from where you were at HHS or HRSA? HHS or HRSA? I never remember which, which, which place. You were both, and I never remember where you were. Anyway, what's your biggest um, uh, new role, if you will, from where you were to where you are? And how do you really feel that, that that improves what you've been doing all along as far as your career and, and the stepping stone that you've taken? Well, you know, I, I came from the boots on the ground stuff. I was a firefighter paramedic for eight years um, You know, prior to going out to D.C., and, uh, you know, I think you lose a little bit of touch, you lose a little bit of focus just working at, at the federal level because you're, you're all, I mean, just by nature, you're at that 50,000 foot level. So, you know, what I've really enjoyed most so far is, is really being able to, to be boots on the ground again and, and really seeing the interactions and the people that actually touch patients and, uh, you know, really doing that level of work. It's been very exciting. Um, this project in particular, uh, I mean, this clinic is located uh, one block from Lucas Oil Stadium or one block from the Super Bowl. Uh, it used to be the Mexican consulate. They vacated the space uh, several months ago. And literally, we've built this clinic from the ground up in about two weeks. And it's been exciting to see that happen. It's been exciting to pull out you know, all the emergency and disaster supplies that are you know in all these caches all over the place and really see what works and what doesn't. Um, and the partnerships have been amazing. We've got the uh, Indiana Perinatal Network has partnered with us. This is the first time ever that there's a, a free 
uh, lactation room for uh, for mothers to come and, and whoa, 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 whoa. You just said lactation and, and emergency preparedness almost in the same paragraph. <laughs> kind of scares me a little bit. A little scary. Ah, ah, ah. I mean, these are, these partnerships are amazing. You know, we've got some great partners at the state health department who are, you know, very excited about this. This is really going to be, you know, really a real time epi for them. Um, so, and just being in that location, it really gives you a chance to, you know, plan ahead, preposition some assets and, you know, God forbid, uh, you know, we plan for the worst. So uh, the whole thing has just been fascinating and, and definitely something that I haven't been able to do for, uh, you know, the last five years out in DC. Uh, so I'm really enjoying, you know, getting my hands dirty again. And, uh, we've had some long days as chatted <laughs> into that earlier, but I'm really enjoying it. And it's really great to see the, the fruits of your labor, uh, which is something you, you just couldn't do at the federal level. That's actually really cool. So Chad, um, you're a public health nurse, you said, or at least you've had public health training, uh, big difference. So tell me a little bit about how your mind really wraps around this idea of individual care. You're really taking individual care at the urgent care level uh, versus a, a public health uh, population-based um, care level. Where where do you see that? Where do you see those things really colliding in your mind? And, and how do you view that really working uh, for the betterment of what you're trying to produce here? Um, I was the kind of nurse that was good, but not like awesome. Oh, wait, 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 wait. What, what does that mean? <laughs> well, I, I, I'll tell you. I say that because, um, yeah, I, I was, I was sort of like minimally competent. In fact, I was more than minimally competent, right? But, but, but there are nurses on floors and in hospitals that are like awesome. You know, they're, they wake up every morning and their goal is to escort someone through an individual journey through illness, you know, and, and, um, it turned out that I didn't really want to do that. Um, I, it's not fair to say I didn't care about people uh, because that's not true. But I really wasn't so... too interested in individual health experiences and largely because they left me very unsatisfied. Um, people, I mean, the sad reality of the world are we're hurtling towards finitude, right? We're all going to, to death. And on the way, we have remarkably the exact same experiences. Of course, we don't think of them as just like everyone else because they're unique to our own brains and as synapses are, are made and, and connected, it all becomes very personal and special. But, but you, you step back maybe 10, 12 feet and you realize everything is essentially the same. Once you do that as a bedside clinician, whether you're in a primary care setting, acute care setting or whatever, it's very hard to really care enough. And, and, and the big reason is you just can't affect any change. One of the questions we always ask is why do we keep treating, you know, people who are sick without fixing what it is that makes them sick. And that to me makes no sense at all. And so my real interest is in the emergency preparedness world, which I'm very passionate about, which is trying to sort of instill some of those fundamental public health concepts, which is, all right, at the core, everything we all do, whether you're a a trauma surgeon or whether you're a, uh, a, I guess, a a HRSA planner or, or, you know, a a Washington, D.C. policy analyst, is it, we're really all about promoting what's good for the health of the public. What is the public's health and, and how do we promote it? And um, emergency management is is great about saying, oh, yeah, if there's a flu, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll hand out this many antibiotics and et cetera. But that is really essentially providing individual medical care out, outside, right? And, and that is not getting to roots of what makes people ill or what keeps them safe. And so 
the approach that we take at MASH is, is, is largely influenced by, I think, our collective vision that we can do things together that add protective benefit to people for their health that also benefit them every day, right? So we're not always – we I've talked more about disaster on, on today's call than, than I normally do do at all because at the end of the day, good health care is good preparedness. And so um, for me personally, transitioning from individual level of care to aggregates um, was something I sort of came to over time. And, uh, you know, I, I started my career as an EMT and, 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 you know, I've always, don't get me wrong. I, I, there, that I have a, a certain affinity towards making people better when they're ill. I would just like to make like, you know, 7 million people better instead of one. So you are a paramedic. I just want you to know that everything you said is like, it resonates with every paramedic in the field. They're like, this guy gets it. He's like, uh, it just, it re- it truly resonates with the rest of us because we, um, I don't think there's, was a day that went by when I was on the, par- when I was on a truck that's that where I didn't go, gee, I wish I can make a difference, not just for this one person, but how do I make a difference for society and how do I, how do I make that better? And thinking about bigger issues than just the, um, human garbage truck that sometimes we become. And I, and it just drives me crazy. So you get it. And I hate to tell you, but you're a nurse that kind of thinks like a paramedic. That's why you weren't very successful. That's why you're in public health and that's why you're awesome. So I'm just saying. (laughs) So, um, Andy said that I should ask a question and I'm going to ask it. So what else is Mesh doing, um, besides the Super Bowl and what, what other things are you doing that you could, uh, or that you're doing for the Super Bowl that is kind of outside that realm of just Mesh? Well, you know, the, the clinic's certainly a big deal, but I always tell people it's, it's, it's not even our primary mission during the Super Bowl. We, as part of our coalition here in Indianapolis, uh, the, we have a very strong partnership with the Marion County Public Health Department, which is the city of Indianapolis's public health department, and, uh, they are the lead ESF aid agency. And we, we've been real fortunate because a lot of public health agencies don't get medical care. And a lot of medical care agencies don't understand public health. That's all changing, by the way, especially as people look to ACOs and they realize that the way to to keep patients healthy is to care about other things besides acute inpatient care. Very fortunate in Indianapolis, very visionary public health director, Dr. Virginia Kane, uh, Dr. Charlie Miramani, who's the chief of the Indianapolis EMS system, and Dr. Kane got together uh, in 2007 with the help of ASPR and really put some some brain cells together to think about how uh, we could uh, provide some support to ESF8 every day, and, 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 and MESH does that through our multi-agency coordinating center, uh, the, the MedMAC, as we call it, uh, MedMAC Paddywhack. And the MedMAC uh, is a place, it's an idea, it's not a place, it's a concept. And, and, and for those of you who are NIMS people, I don't know if there are a lot of firefighters uh, who tune into your program or firefighter paramedics, I always screw up NIMS, and so I apologize. But here's what I know about the MedMac. Uh, I love I love the MedMac uh, because we're not in charge of anything. We don't uh, have anyone report to us, and we don't answer to anybody. Uh, we are a place uh, where information comes and goes, where we push and pull good ideas and push them out. And in emergency events, we're a uh, quiet a, a quiet repository of just in time data that helps inform critical decisions in the field. Uh, or in the hospital, and and that's um, 
And that's what the Mac does. And so for the Super Bowl, what that means is, is Andy Rosak gets to stay up all night and uh, do everything from monitoring low pressure coming in from the north um, on, on our fancy weather radar to really thinking seriously about uh, the threats to the healthcare system. And the MedMax, a central piece of our uh, programming, it's not the only piece, uh, but that's certainly something we're doing. So it's the Sesame Street of EMS, that's what you're saying. <laughs> Sorry, I have no other. I have no other term for it. I, I it was like uh, Med Act Patty. It is. It is. There's a lot of there's oh. a lot of letters brought to you by the Med Mac. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And and the letter C and yes. the letter D uh, 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 and the, uh, 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 two uh, three. Sorry, I, I love I love to count. It was, it was a great day. Anyway, so um, <clears throat> so the Med Mac is this. All seeing, all knowing, doesn't really respond to anything else but the but the weather. Apparently, for well, so Andy, so Andy's a weatherman. I get it now. By the time we're done with them, <laughs> no, I think I'm farthest thing from that. But uh, you know, and obviously, and not to make light of the situation, but you know, last year Indianapolis did have the, the stage collapse at the State Fair. Good point. And I think there's been a lot of lessons learned and a lot of after action, you know, reports and efforts that have been underway. Uh, you really to make the system more robust and, you know, to identify gaps and, and try to fill those gaps. And, you know, the MedMac is a, a part of that. So how do you have, uh, you know, the MESH, this, this nonprofit entity uh, that's kind of the neutral third party broker and all this stuff. So they're getting information from, you know, the hospitals are getting information from the local and the, the state and the federal people. And, you know, it's really a clearinghouse of information brokered by a neutral third party. Um, we're doing a lot of stuff on social media. As you, you know, Chris, these Super Bowl parties pop up. Uh, it seems like every hour there's more and more of them. And, you know, that's something that, that local, uh, emergency preparedness folks, local law enforcement, and obviously EMS and fire need to know about. Because if you have a 500 person party just down the street and the building catches on fire, uh, the potential for, you know, mass casualty and, and stuff like that is, it's exponential. So, it's really a lot of monitoring, like like Chad said. It's a lot of you know information in, information out, uh, but it's also a vital part of everything going on here in Marion County, and it's very exciting to be a part of that. So we've talked a lot about today, like what's what's happening in basically the next two weeks. But how do you sustain this? I mean, you know, okay, so in four weeks there's no Super Bowl, there's nothing to plan for. How do you how do you sustain this once you're done? I mean, you know, I'm I'm sure that you have your naysayers that like, oh, once it's over, they're not going to succeed. Blah blah blah. What what's your plan and what's your answer to that? Well, the, I mean, the great thing is is that the Super Bowl. You know, we've, we've got, we've, we've been like running around with our hair on fire about this clinic because, because, you know, as we said, we've never set up a clinic before. Um, but the, the MedMac piece of what we're doing has really not stressed me out one bit. We do it all the time. Our MedMac is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every day of the year. And it has been, uh, for the last year and a half. So this is not a new thing we're standing up for the Super Bowl. Uh, this is a this is a service that exists every day in Marion County. We send out a situational awareness intelligence brief to healthcare providers that builds a common operating picture in the community. Again, we call it preventive surge management. People being on the same page about things. Uh, we discuss relevant threats to the healthcare system, ranging from natural disasters, the kind of stuff that that most sort of disaster preparedness people think of, and all sort of things that are that are more subtle. Um, you know, uh, you know, nosocomial infections, things that things that are threats to the healthcare system. 
Um, so, you know, sustainment for us after the Super Bowl, we've got locked down. In fact, I think we'd love the Super Bowl to be over soon. And the good news is it will be so that we can get back to what we're doing. I think the key for organizations like ours is to demonstrate value to our partners every single day. Um, and we'd like to think that we do that by providing things that make a difference to their business every day. And, uh, you know, the first thing, if you go to a, a hospital administrator or executive and you start talking about disaster, you're, you're pretty much done before you get out the uh, door. When I was a healthcare lawyer representing uh, huge enterprises, uh, somebody said to me, you, you really need to do, do more to prepare for disaster. I'd say, that's why I bought insurance. Uh, so I wouldn't have to do more. And I'm being cynical because hospitals, of course, have concerns for their patient and, 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 and that's not the way they think. But, but the point is, uh, is that we we take a proactive approach. So after the Super Bowl, we're going to keep doing what we're doing, and and, uh, and the Med Max uh, going to continue to work every day, and maybe we'll let Andy Rozak transition to day shift. Maybe. <laughs> and we also have some pretty cool stuff. We actually have a hospital that's uh, going to be shutting down and, and moving to a brand-new facility about seven or eight miles away. So, uh, again, helping to uh, you know provide service to our partners. We're going to be intimately involved in that move and helping to make sure everything's going well, and uh, maybe even testing out some some pretty neat patient tracking tools that uh, we may get our hands on soon. So I think it'll be a fun year. It looks like there's a lot of good stuff on the horizon. We're going to be out in Anaheim um, after the Super Bowl for the uh, Public Health Preparedness Conference. So hopefully we'll get to see some of you guys out there. Or well, not- where's my invite? I mean, come on, dude. Seriously? You know yes. you're always free to stop by Indianapolis. I'm going to Disneyland. Woo! That's right. I'm going to Disneyland. And and just to piggyback on something Andy said, you know, um, our, against the backdrop of all of this really tactical and operational talk, you know, the bulk, the great vast majority of our work is the stuff of which podcasts go to die, right? So we're not talking about it. I mean, maybe we could. Maybe we could have all, like, nerd casts where we talk about our policy work. But... Um, a lot of our work really is in thinking about the, the social structures that undergrid our ability to respond. And, and we're really fortunate to have coalition members who actually sustain our work. They pay for it themselves, who are interested in us exploring sort of those nuanced and, and really complex issues that predicate effective emergency preparedness. So we, we do a lot of work around crisis standards of care. So the Institute of Medicine is has really, and, and, and HHS have really been pushing this concept of changing the standard of care in an emergency. And, and, and we're doing some fascinating work. Bobby Courtney in our office is, is doing a, a huge survey of, of physicians to determine whether fear of liability actually drives their decisions. And, and our a priori hypothesis, of course, is that it doesn't. And so we're, we're already behind the eight ball. So instead of focusing so much on uh, this issue, which is just just a proxy for tort reform discussions, which really have no place in our in our world, we could be training clinicians to make better decisions under tough conditions, and that's really where the discussion needs to be. And that's something I think paramedics can see, uh, because that's what they do every day. Uh, at the core, uh, a successful pre-hospital care provider is somebody that keeps their cool and doesn't do anything too stupid, and it's. Um, we, we, we just don't have many care providers in the inpatient setting who can do that. So we do a lot of training and education around those things. We do a lot of policy and regulatory analysis, how do hospitals get paid. The government wants us to set up alternate care sites. They haven't really given us a path to payment. They have at the federal level but not at the state level. And so that work, which is really what consumes our day-to-day, uh, will continue. And the cool thing is we're always looking for, for great people. So they have a pretty robust 
uh, you know, candidate program here, or, uh, attorney program. We get students in all the time that are, you know, writing papers or doing research. Um, so there's lots of opportunities to get involved and learn more. Obviously, it's a shameless plug, but, you know, mesh, meshcoalition.org. We're on Twitter at MeshIndy. Uh, we're on Facebook at uh, Mesh Coalition. So, uh, you know, you can find us a lot of different ways, and uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in Indianapolis, uh, i got to tell you. So you, so since you have a lot of lawyers that work for you, you really hate the old joke that says what's uh, what's good about a thousand lawyers at the bottom of the ocean or something like that. It's a good start. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's um, a good start. Yeah, I actually right, love yeah. lawyers. I love lawyer jokes. I know. Why do you love? Lawyer? Okay, so give me a good one. Give me at least one. Oh man, I don't know. I yeah, you know, I don't remember. I have a terrible joke memory now that you've put me on the spot. But I love to hear them. I love I it. You never hear like nurse jokes or veteran jokes, do you? Oh, no, because nurses are revered or something like that. I don't know. Nightingale, woo, go for her. Anyway, um, yeah, I know. Uh, so, so I'm excited that you guys have so much. Um, going on for you and that the future's bright. What about, um, so what's, so what's the next really big thing you guys see on your horizon is what you want to, what do you want to tackle? What do you want to, what do you want to get a hold of and just really rip apart and make your own? Well, you know, it, it's, it's constantly evolving. The great thing about having an organization that's as small as ours is we have an idea on Wednesday and by Friday, if we don't like it, it's gone. And, and that creates a sort of, you know, Silicon Valley sort of atmosphere here in the, the heartland for us in our, in our open concept office and our wipe erase board, right? But, um, I think the big, I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I think our organization faces some challenges and primarily the federal government's basically defunding, uh, emergency preparedness right now all over the country. And so we're really fortunate to have a great deal of funding come from our coalition members. But at the bottom line, the bottom line is that our mission, our project for the next six, seven months is to really establish a business case that's, that's replicable and can be exported to other communities. And we can, and, and we can not only keep ourselves afloat, but, but really be innovators and think about, uh, getting people to reinvest in these kinds of, this kind of thinking. Um, and so it's a lot of entrepreneurial work, right? And, uh, and, and so I'm excited about that. It, it keeps me up a few nights a month, but, uh, but mostly it just energizes me. Well, you say, you say a lot of things there because I think that in industry, we have to look at what's coming ahead and we have to say, it's going to be bad. We know that it's going to be the economy's bad. Our, our taxes are going down, whatever it is. And we have to say, you know, we either, we either do one of three things. We either innovate, we stay stagnant or we, um, we die. And there's only, there's only three things you can do. So if you're innovative and you're starting to, and you're kind of quick on your feet, like you've said, I think that you can be ahead of that curve every time. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, because tomorrow there's going to be something new. There's going to be some new SARS, H1N1, H1N5, what it doesn't matter. It's going to kill us. It's going to be bad and we've got to be ahead of it. But as long as there are people out there that are thinking ahead and, and really big thinkers like that and starting to look at the bigger picture, it doesn't matter what's going to come ahead of us because we know that we can tackle those things and we can be really at the forefront of, of what's amazing and what's, um, and really what's about the human spirit. It doesn't, it, it, it really doesn't matter because we can, we can tackle it and we can handle it. So that's why I really appreciate what you guys are doing because I think that, 
um, Super Bowl clinics, um, the the MDAC, whatever MAC, whatever it is, it, it, it all becomes one thing, and you you just you just recreate it in different communities, like you've said, and in all around the country, because I, or all around the world for that matter, because there's there's things that happen every day. You have a you have a uh, earthquake and a tsunami in Japan or whatever it is. It, it doesn't matter because you have got to be ahead of the curve every time. And, and that I appreciate. So, um, Andy, give me last thoughts. What, what do you want the take home message to be about not only the Super Bowl, but about what you're doing? Well, I think the take home thoughts are really, you know, it's a whole new way of looking at disaster preparedness and emergency preparedness. And, uh, you know, we all know it. The, the days are gone. I mean, you know, barring some kind of significant 9-11 type attack, the funding to sustain these kind of organizations and these kind of programs uh, is going away. So I think there's a lot of opportunities, and we've talked about it, you know, on this show before and, and at other venues in healthcare reform and in the, you know, accountable care organizations and this whole community movement, uh, to really figure out how do we integrate preparedness into what we do every day? Almost so it becomes an afterthought. People are doing things to be prepared, but it's so much a part of what they're normally doing that they don't even realize it. And I think that's really the challenge is figuring out how we really integrate into these communities. How do we build these relationships and how do we make preparedness uh, an everyday occurrence? So those are my parting thoughts. I'm very much looking forward to the big game. Uh, I think we've got a great model here. I expect that you'll see a lot of stuff, hopefully, uh, getting published out of what we're doing. And uh, certainly excited about the opportunity to take some of this stuff and, and transplant it in other cities, uh, wherever the need arises. I think we've got a good model here. It's certainly not perfect, uh, but it's never been done before. We've got competitors that are working together side by side for a common cause, and uh, I think it's a great case study out here. And I really look forward to, to talking more and, and figuring out what all the data is and what the impact was and, and you know, writing that stuff up and, and presenting that in the near future. And, Chad, what about you? Well, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the busiest operational period of the year for us, barring, barring another winter ice storm. But uh, I think Andy hit the nail on the head. I think the future is, is in innovation, is in agility, it's in, it's in being 20 or 30 steps ahead of the federal government, uh, figuring out a way for the private sector to fund what is traditionally seen as a public sector responsibility. Although I will tell you, we, we, we are going to continue to advocate for strong federal funding and emergency preparedness because it's the right thing to do. Regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, we should all, we should all be able to agree on that. Um, and you know, I, I think for us, it's just, it's just, let's, let's take what we're doing here and, and let's, let's scale it and see what we can do. I think, I, you know, just sitting here tonight talking to you guys, I, I started in my head sort of riffing about how to descale it, which is how do you get what we're doing in an, in an urban area down into like a, a little tiny rural county? And so I think there's a lot of possibilities and, and I'm looking forward to it. And, and uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on to talk about it. I think it's awesome. Well, and, and, and- and I guess I have to say that full disclosure, I, I got my paycheck for a few years dealing with the whole bioterrorism, what was going to kill us next in 2002, 2003. So I kind of get that the idea of what's going to kill us next is, is going away. So this, 
this idea that we have to be nimble and ready to go no matter what is important, but people just kind of keep it in the back of their mind. They don't, they don't think about it until it truly affects them at a local level or a personal level or even at an agency level. Because, um, I remember my, one of my first weeks, um, probably my first two months on the job here where I'm at, we had a huge norovirus that went right through our system. I mean, people, I had 20 people on my staff that were down and it was literally down to four of us and we were cleaning everything. And, and just from that preparedness level of loan of, of then like seeking out, how do you find the original patient and then finding the, the, even the police officers that were affected in their family and everybody in between that to me was cool because I was actually doing a little bit of public health and I was being a paramedic at the same time. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us to think about public health all the time as a, as an extension of what we do and how we deal with populations and how we deal with people and events and what happens. It's not just this one event that occurred. It's about all the pieces that led up to that event that really made this one medical emergency. And how do you, how do you deconstruct that and make it so that it doesn't happen again? And that's my passion and that's my goal. So, um, Andy, um, Chad, thank you guys very much for joining us. Chad, where can people find you? Give us an email or a Twitter account. Um, how can they find you on the interweb as it were? Absolutely. The inner tubes all lead to Chad Priest, C-H-A-D-P-R-I-E-S-T mesh. And uh, on Twitter, you can email me at cpriest at meshcoalition.org. And as Andy mentioned, you can always go to our website, www.meshcoalition.org. Poke around. We're on Facebook. We're everywhere, man. Foursquare, if you're ever in Indianapolis, come by and visit. And for those of you coming down for the Super Bowl, come visit us at the Super Care Clinic. You can follow that on Twitter at, at Super Care Clinic. So thanks again for having us. Really appreciate it. Really cool. And can they make their appointment online? I mean, I've seen some of the ERs like, come online and make your appointment for your ER visit and check in <laughs> here. <laughs> Despite all of our talk about progressive health care, you got to walk in and wait. <laughs> nice. Sorry. It just cracks me up every time I'm driving by a billboard in some big city and I'm like, ER wet time, ER wet time, ER wait time, five minutes. I'm like, really? Yeah. Or call ahead for your own ER appointment. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, wow. here. You, you better you better just be prepared to sit. Nice, I love it. And Andy, where can people find you? Do you have a new Twitter account, or are you the same old Andy? I do. I have uh, obviously my personal one, which is Andrew Rozak, uh, and I've got uh, a professional one, Andy Rozak Mesh, on Twitter, and uh, you can follow you know find me at uh, meshcoalition.org, Facebook slash Mesh Coalition. Or if you want to learn more about the supercare, it's www.indiesupercare.org or at Supercare Clinic. So we're, we're out there, as Chad said. It's not hard to get a hold of us. Well, thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm Geeky Medic on all the websites. You can find me, Geeky Medic, on Twitter, Facebook, blah, blah, blah. You just search it and you'll find me, uh, Chris Montera. And thank you for joining us on this awesome edition of the Super Bowl on the EMS garage. And I always love talking about football, although we didn't talk about football. I love football. Isn't that ironic? Uh, you know, uh, whatever. I really don't care about the teams that are in it. I mean, they already played in 2008. Do we have to watch a rerun of the Super Bowl again? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying. Anyway. All right. Thank you guys for joining us and join us next time when we talk more about issues that concern you in EMS. Have a great day, night, weekend, or shift wherever you are. <laughs>